0: you about your after school plans wow ash okay oh no my hair looks like it's having
1: a day kind of look like a grown though (laughs) (laughs) yikes Mm all righty hi and welcome back to i'll tell you what a spoopy podcast my name's miranda i'm ashlyn and we have a lot to discuss today oh yeah um Uh, you know earlier we we discussed earlier this week that we had a lot of technical difficulties last week but this week hopefully it will all be going all right here's hoping um also don't forget that our season finale is coming up (gasps) we have a special guest we do have a special guest that will be there um you probably guessed who it is already but i'm not gonna say and hey if you're gonna (laughs) take a road trip
0: uh, you know, the week of Thanksgiving, it's gonna be like right. Me. It's gonna be out like right before that. So, yeah. it'll it'll be good some good listening for you.
1: Yeah, episode fifty comes out the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So literally just like three days before Thanksgiving, or two days Tuesday, two days before Thanksgiving. Miranda knows when
0: Thursday is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get, I was looking at a calendar in my head, you know, <laughs> and for some reason it looked like there was way too many spaces <laughs> in there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, two days before Thanksgiving. Uh, don't um, forget
0: to rate and review us yeah, on, on your of favorite th- podcasting all app. Of them.
1: Yay. And um we're just trucking through it. So, let's get into it. Ashlyn, I'll tell you what. What do you tell me? The unsolved mystery of DB Cooper. Uh, I'm sorry. I love I've it.
0: Pain. No, no, I was having a good time. That was that was all a right. happy uh, right. sad grunt.
1: So- <laughs> So first, I'm going to go into the story of D.B. Cooper's infamous plane hijack straight from the FBI themselves. This guy's straight nuts. Okay, so this is straight. This is literally from, from the FBI website. I have yes. not altered this at all. This is a quote. Let me turn my phone so it's easier to read. <clears throat> on the afternoon of november 24, 1971 a nondescript man calling himself dan cooper approached the counter of northwest orient airlines in portland oregon he used cash to buy a one-way ticket on flight number 305 bound for seattle washington thus began one of the great unsolved mysteries in the fbi history Cooper was a quiet man who appeared to be in his mid-40s, wearing a business suit with a black tie and a white shirt. He ordered a drink, bourbon and soda, while the flight was waiting to take off. A short time after 3 p.m., he handed the stewardess a note indicating that he had a bomb in his briefcase and wanted her to sit with him. The stunned stewardess—did I say stewardess? Yes. Okay. I just one major. The stunned stewardess did as she was told. Opening a cheap attache case, Cooper showed her a glimpse of a massive wires and red colored sticks and demanded that she write down what he told her. Soon, she was walking a new note to the captain of the plane that demanded four parachutes and $200,000 in $20 bills. When the flight landed in Seattle, the hijacker exchanged the flight's 36 passengers for money and parachutes. Cooper kept several of the crew members, and the plane took off again, ordered to set a course for Mexico City. Now, somewhere between Seattle and Reno, a little after 8 p.m., the hijacker did the incredible. He jumped out of the back of the plane with a parachute and the ransom money. The pilots landed safely, but Cooper had disappeared into the night, and his ultimate fate remains a mystery to this day. I would like to add my own bit at the end. This was all during a thunderstorm. Yeah. So so that happened um, This is a real thing that happened in 1971 yes. So some background So before we get into the entire D.B. Cooper case I wanted to touch on how different And honestly way too easy it was To get on a plane in the 1970s Oh yeah um, So between 1968 and 1972 There were more than 130 plane hijackings In America alone And sometimes uh, And sometimes more than one happened in a single day of course. Like, okay. I mean, I understand why
0: we tightened them, but why did it take so long well, to I, tighten
1: these regulations? I, I'm getting into it like why, like when it happens and whatnot. Ah. So according to the Vox.com article I read, quote, before 9-11... This is what hijackings were like. Individuals driven by personal gain or idiosyncratic requests diverted planes to places they weren't supposed to go. These hijackings ended with inconvenience, not with mass tragedy. Right. So, apparently, for years, airports just gave in to these hijackers because they thought that the hijackers' requests for stupid things like a flight to Cuba or a million dollars was supposedly less off putting than putting in metal detectors. That is the stupidest so, thing I've so ever basically, so, <laughs> so basically they thought of it more as, oh, I guess I'll spend the night in Cuba and have a little fun story for my next cocktail party. <laughs> Literally. I just, they were just like, what an inconvenience. We had to go to Cuba like, instead of Florida. Uh, <laughs> but people were being robbed still. And people were like, no, for the most part, it was just the, the plane companies. I mean, yeah, sometimes they would steal things from people on the planes, but nobody died. Typically, it's, in, it's, these, in these in these, early ones, nobody died. They just were like, I have hold of the plane. It's like, take early, me to Cuba.
0: It's like early West. Sorry, take me to Cuba. If, if they hadn't given a, a single iota of a care about train robbery.
1: It's kind of like train robbery, except for the fact in train robberies, they uh, often. It'd be, it'd be really difficult
0: to divert so, a train to Cuba. <laughs>
1: exactly. This was a lot easier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the article went on to quote Brendan Cron- uh, Corner. They said between May 1961 and the end of 1972, there were 159 hijackings in American airspace. The majority of those were between 1968 and 72, a five-year stretch. And sometimes they happened at the rate of one per week. We could have multiple hijackings in the same day. It was not an infrequent occurrence. Just to mention, they didn't start checking people's carry-on luggage until 1973. So the Federal Aviation Administration began an anti-hijacking task force and they even solicited ideas from the public. Apparently, some of them were actually really amazing ideas. One in particular they actually took serious was to build a fake... San Martin International Airport in South Florida, pretending they were landing in Havana and arrest the hijackers when they got off the plane. I'm sorry, that's beautiful. <laughs> and they, they, this was one they actually humored, humored. You know, they were like, oh, oh no, that, yes, not a bad idea. And like, then, however, as you could possibly guess, some of them were not so serious. Uh, like, make everyone wear boxing gloves on the plane so they can't hold a gun. <laughs> I mean... Honestly...
0: I Kind of like it. I mean, I, I might prefer that to some of the shenanigans we got to go through. They right can't
1: hold a if they're walking boxing gloves. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. But then also, you <laughs> could go up to the pilot and just try to punch him with boxing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> like, put him up. Okay. Well, however, something they did implement was a behavioral profile, kind of like the ones given in Criminal Minds. Mm. So when you bought your ticket, the flight agent would give you a once-over, and if you fit a list of 20-some-odd behavioral cues that might indicate that you might be a hijacker, you might be asked over for a more private search.
0: Wow, about about to get uh, randomly selected.
1: Yeah. Uh...
0: So the entire
1: idea was supposed to single out about... 1% of flyers, you know, the potential hijackers, and weed out the 99% of normal passengers. So compared to the almost silliness of the earlier hijackings in 1968, in 1971 and 72, things became a little bit, or a lot more, bit, (laughs) a bit more sinister (laughs) (laughs) when people began being killed. Um, So after a few different tragedies, and I'm not going to get into those. Yikes. So after a few different tragedies, starting in January of 1973, the FAA instituted universal physical screenings of passengers, and everyone had to pass through metal detectors and have their bags searched. Fair. So that is how we got before before 9-11, pre-9-11. That's when they finally began doing the minimal amount of of pre-flight safety. Okay, here's the bare minimum. Pre-flight checks.
0: It's... Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's... So, so keep in mind, Ugh. the D.B. Cooper case happens in 1971. So this is before they check anything. So right. back to the case at hand, D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper was described as a white man, 6'1", one, 170 to 175 pounds, uh, mid-40s, olive complexion, brown eyes, and black hair with a conventional cut, and it was parted on the left. Apparently... One of the FBI's favorite, subs- favorite subjects, apparently, one of the FBI's favorite suspects was a Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. They tracked down and arrested McCoy for apparently committing a similar airplane hijacking, in which he also escaped by parachute less than five ma- months after Cooper's flight. However, he was later ruled out because he didn't match the the nearly identical physical descriptions of Cooper provided by two flight attendants and for other reasons. What those other reasons were, I guess we'll never know. I think it was paid off. He paid off the cops. He paid off the FBI? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't know. Uh,
0: <laughs> how, much, how much could a couple so, million buy in that time?
1: So another big theory from the FBI surrounding the jump is that D.B. Cooper didn't make it. Meaning he died in the jump. So first off, the parachute he used couldn't be steered. Also, his clothing Yikes. and footwear were very unsuitable for a rough landing. He was dressed for a flight, not for a hike in the woods, or to jump out of a plane.
0: Yeah, and, ba- and back uh, then people actually like dressed up. for Yeah, flights he was and wearing a like suit. That. It was a leisure thing. It wasn't a oh good lord, I have to make it to this not place in five seconds. And, yeah.
1: Also, he had jumped into a wooded area at night, which is apparently super dangerous even for a seasoned pro, which apparently there was no evidence that suggested Cooper was. Yikes. Also, it was winter, and he was dressed for air travel, not forest survival, and it was storming. So, like, all odds were against him. Lastly, the only thing, not the only thing, but, you know, one of the things that actually brings this into a more realistic realm... Is that you know him mm-hmm. dying? Is uh, in 1980, a young boy apparently found a rotting package full of twenty-dollar bills, five thousand eight hundred in all, that matched the ransom money serial numbers. However, really, however, DB Cooper's remains have never been found, and uh, if this is the case, the case was under active. Sorry. The case was under active investigation by the FBI for over forty-five years. The FBI officially suspended the active investigation of the case in, ni- in not nineteen in July of two thousand sixteen. Yeah. However, they thought he was dead. <laughs> well, he'd be ninety. Yeah. Now, however, they still encourage anyone to come forward if they have any new information regarding the case. So. Let's get into some wacky theories. Like I, I, told Ashton earlier, my my case does dive into some theorying, but it's not really conspiracy theories. It's just theories regarding the a conspiring true was already done. Like, yeah.
0: he he already got the money. You know. Well, no, that's not the conspiracy I'm talking about. People's conspiracy
1: theories on who done it or what happened.
0: No, I I, I know. I'm saying okay. like the conspiring part of it would have already been done because he already had the money anyway. Okay,
1: so. For the first for the, the first few of these I got from uh, considerable dot com our first suspect is Jack Kaelt. Jack Kofeld was the first person to claim to be Cooper in nineteen seventy two He was a con man with a long criminal history and uh, Kahnfeld was confirmed to have suffered injuries around the same time of the hijacking. However, the FBI found so many inconsistencies in his story that they eliminated him. That apparently didn't stop Caulfield, however, from peddling his story to major TV networks. And, and there we have it. <laughs> well, they also ultimately refused to give him any kind of platform. They were all like, nah, you're, you're crazy. Yeah, so, I was like,
0: I was like, why would you even, like, if you're a con man, why would you cop that?
1: I, he just wanted notability. And
0: it's because it's he wants to he be just paid for his. He just wanted people to his, see him. He yeah. wants to be
1: paid to be on TV. Exactly. So next up, we have Kenneth Christensen. Kenneth Christensen had been a paratrooper and then a flight uh, oh, sorry and then a mechanic and a flight attendant for Northwest Orient Airlines, which hmm. was the airline's Cooper targeted. He also resembled the composite sketch of the hijacker. Mm-hmm. A few months after the hijacking, he supposedly purchased a house with cash. Apparently, in 2003, his own brother Lyle saw a documentary on the on the Cooper case and became so convinced that Kenneth um, that Kenneth was DB Cooper. However, Kenneth had already died in 1994. The FBI didn't see enough evidence to investigate investigate Kenneth so Lyle tried to sell the story to Nora Ephron <laughs> for a film, which you know didn't happen but I'm just imagining you know, When Harry Met Sally, but make it about a plane hijacking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why Nora Ephron? Oh, my goodness. Of all people to try to sell it to, why Nora It's like a new sleepless in Seattle, but like... (laughs) Like, why Nora Ephron? I just... (laughs) I read that like three times because it didn't sink in the first time.
0: Imagine the love story that kind of bloomed That's what I'm saying. When
1: Harry Met Sally, but make it about a plane hijacking. (laughs) Okay, so um, it also later came out that Kenneth did not, in fact, pay cash for his house. This was unbeknownst to Lyle. Um, And that's all she wrote. Now, the next one, it seemed like we were actually getting somewhere with. So, Lynn Doyle Cooper and his brother, Dewey Max Cooper, had the right name. They lived in Oregon and they also raised suspicion among their own family members about the hijacking in 1971. Mm-hmm. Their niece Marla cooperated with the FBI and talked to the media in 2011. Marla Cooper, who is now 48, or at least was in 2011, uh, so cited not 48 it. now. I don't know. I don't know that. This, I don't know. Okay, I'm stupid. <laughs> no. So if she was 48 in 2011. No, I don't know. No, I don't now. know. I don't know if if they updated. Her age, Ashlyn, and what I read. I don't know when the article was from. It's <laughs> stupid. So Marla Cooper cited memories from when she was eight years old. She first told ABC News that she recalled her uncles planning something suspicious just before Thanksgiving in 1971. But, like, whose family is this? At her grandmother's house. Well, this was at her grandmother's house suspicious. in a Sisters, Oregon. The two were using walkie talkies and supposedly left to go turkey hunting
0: that sounds like siblings not gonna lie
1: well apparently on thanksgiving morning lynn doyle cooper known to the family as ld showed up bloody and bruised claiming had been he'd been claiming he had been involved in a car accident marla (laughs) cooper said she overheard ld cooper saying we did it our money problems are over we hijacked a plane
0: that's pretty explicit. Like, uh, yeah. Soon
1: after huh. they came forward, with, uh, su- sorry. Soon after they came forward with these concerns, the FBI compared the DNA sample that they have of the hijacker with that of LD Cooper's own daughter, because LD Cooper had already died. Yeah. But unfortunately, there was no match, and the FBI dismissed him as a suspect. Well, dude, I know it really seemed theory. it really seemed like we were getting somewhere.
0: But also, I mean, did she look like the milkman? I don't
1: know oh, my God. Oh, my God. I <laughs> would explain why Get the DNA out of here. didn't match, just saying. Get out of here. Next time. I'm sorry. So next, next we have Will Smith. <laughs> but not that Will Smith. Aw. <laughs> I just included this one because I thought it was funny. I was like, I was like so man. William J. Smith was never an FBI suspect in the case, but in 2018, an anonymous military data analysis identified him as the hijacker. In 1985, Alex Gunther wrote a book called D.B. Cooper, What Really Happened? In it, he claimed that a man named Dan LeClaire confessed to being D.B. Cooper. The book has since been dismissed as unreliable. Wow, I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) However, the anonymous data data analyst found LeClaire, who died in 1990, uh, and became more intrigued by LeClaire's friend, William Smith who apparently closely resembled the illustration of Cooper. I'm sorry, but why did you say friend like that? It sounded very suggestive. His friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of friends they were. <laughs> he believes that Smith was the hijacker and borrowed Leclerc's life story, or LeClaire confessed to a crime his friend committed. However, there is absolutely no evidence linking either man to the crime. And I just added this in because I thought it would be funny to be, say it was Will Smith. <laughs> I, I deal with
0: so many lies and mis- misleading <laughs> statements here. I'm, I'm so upset. So, our I'm still next- not over Phineas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so our next theory brings in a bit of um, murder to the case as well. But it's also one of the most interesting theories I found. I got this from gizmo.com. John List killed his entire family in 1971. He shot his mother, his wife, and his three teenage children deliberately and carefully one by one. Then, you know, I think I heard about that one. Th- th- this was the same year that, you know, D.B. Cooper took to the air. Oh, did not he, know that part. It was 1971. Yeah. He was then captured in 1989 after living under a false identity for over 17 years which was thanks to a tip actually generated by America's Most Wanted. So, you know, if you watch the show, um, call in tips, guys, because it it helps. It it actually does. So could he have been Cooper? Probably not. However, it makes for a pretty interesting uh, theory. I don't know. It
0: suddenly takes a darker turn. He does take a darker turn. It's interesting, though. So in
1: 1989, in the wake of the list's high-profile arrest, the LA. Times offered the following speculation: John List is one of any number of people suspected in the DB. Cooper case. FBI spokesman John Eyre said, "We will be investigating him until he is eliminated." Ralph Hammmelschbeckk, uh, a retired FBI agent who investigated the original hijacking, believes Cooper died, but said List warrants investigation. Oh, yeah, Hemelsch- uh, Himmelsbach, sorry, Himmelsbach, who now lives in Portland, Oregon said List and Cooper do have similar descriptions. Oh. Remember, Cooper was described as a man in his mid-40s, List was 44 at the time of the slayings, and both were said to be about the same height, weight, and wore glasses. Himmelsbeck also said List had spent the last $200,000 of his mother's savings, according uh, savings account shortly before the killings. Cooper demanded and received $200,000 before parachuting from the plane near Mount St. Helens in Washington state, and he was never found. Mm-hmm. Ba, ba, ba. I don't want it to
0: be him though cuz like before it's like kind of fun like oh yeah, you know. I know. But it's, it's a murderer, to... no. Yeah, no, it's not fun if it's a murderer. I know. <laughs> it's more fun if he dies. But
1: it is a pretty interesting like there's, there's a lot of interesting comparisons to be made there. The last suspect I will mention is Walter R Recca. Walter R Recca was a man in uh, a man from Michigan. He was also a military veteran mm-hmm. and an original member of the Michigan Parachute Team. He was proposed as a suspect by his friend Carl Loren. What kind of friend is that? That's a friend who thinks his friend hijacked a plane, okay? Brenda, would you a turn former, me in if you thought I hijacked who, okay, a plane? Okay, Carl, Carl Lauren was a former commercial airline pilot and expert parachuter himself. And at a press conference in May of 2018 is when he announced that he thinks Robert or uh, Robert Rekka, sorry. Mm-hmm. Walter R. Rekka um, could have done it. I so see. in 2008, Rekka confessed to being DB Cooper to Lauren via a recorded phone call. Um, Then, in July 2018, uh, Principa Media released a four-part documentary detailing their investigation. Uh, Rekha gave Lauren permission in a notarized letter to share his story after he died in 2014 at age 80. Mm. He also allowed Lauren to tape their phone conversations about the crime over a six-week period in late 2008. Okay, so so
0: at least at least it was with permission after ah. after his death. I yeah. noticed I noticed you never answered my question. What about whether or not you would turn me in if I confessed
1: to you that I hijacked a plane? Maybe not if you hijacked a plane, maybe if you murdered your whole family, except I'd be did,
0: <laughs> <laughs> she'll come back to haunt the That's police. Right. Like in, uh, write it on lipstick. It was her. Why
1: <laughs> lipstick? That's a waste. I, I meant Anywho. like uh,
0: you wouldn't care about my lipstick.
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> Not experience. if I killed you. <laughs> so, so basically, see, uh, so yeah, so, so breaking that down, because I read it in a very confusing order. Uh, in 2008, Rekka called his friend Lauren and confessed to being D.V. Cooper. He also then gave this whole long confession that he allowed Lauren to record over a six week period and told him that when he died, Mm-hmm. He could, you know, release it to the public. He could you know, tell some everybody. Secrets and so, and so when he I died I in guess. 2014, I don't know why he didn't immediately. Maybe it's because they were working on the documentary. I don't know. Uh, or he was doing some further investigation. He died in 2014. And in 2018, he came out and... Uh, Lauren came out and said... Maybe he just forgot. Walter did it. Maybe he just forgot, he, forgot for a moment. I don't like, think he forgot. He's this like, was oh, a big man. Deal. So... Maybe he just came across it in the like, over oh, three right, hours funny. of recordings. Uh, Recca gave new details about the hijacking that the public had not heard before. He also confessed to his niece Lisa's story. He, uh, using his years of training to determine the location of the jump, Lauren concluded that DB Cooper landed near Clay Elm, Elum. Sorry, near Clay Ulu- Elum. Washington. I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong. Um, please let me know. Yeah, connect with us on Instagram
0: or Twitter. Why do you and- sound
1: like an automated <laughs> response right now? Okay, so according to written testimony, Jeff Ozadax a Clay Allume, Washington native, what, he was driving his dump truck near Clay Alum the night of November 24th, 1971, <gasps> when he saw a man walking down the side of the road in stormy weather Uh he assumed the man's car had broken down and was walking to get assistance he didn't have any room in his truck however so he continued towards his destination the t junction cafe that was just outside clay elum so after ordering a coffee the man from the side of the road also entered the cafe looking like a apparently a drowned rat as one does.: as one in, does in the wind or in the rain, in the winter storms. So the man sat next to him and asked if he would be able to give his friend directions if he called him on the phone. Ozidax agreed and spoke the man's friend giving him directions to the cafe. Shortly after that, Ozadex left for the grand hall to play in a band. <laughs> the man even offered to pay for his coffee, and then the two parted ways. Aw, so they were nice to each other. <laughs> so, Lauren began his search for the witness The witness, after Rekka described the landscape he saw on his way to the drop zone. Two bridges, some distinct lights, and his description of the exterior and interior of the cafe, as well as his encounter with Ozodax. He also described Ozodax in detail, recalling that he was wearing Western gear and had a guitar case. And he was... He, <laughs> Apparently, he dubbed him, quote, cowboy. <laughs> Lauren consulted a map to find these landmarks and began making phone calls about the cowboy who had d- driven a dump truck. Lauren was then put in contact with Ozodax, who did, in fact, recall meeting a man that night, described what he was wearing and what he looked like and confirmed his identity as Rekka after seeing a photo Lauren sent him. Ah. Oh. And in addition to the taped confession, Lauren also has a confession written by Rekka and a pair of long underwear allegedly worn by Rekka under his black pants during the hijacking. This could explain smart. how he survived in the cold of winter. Yeah, like I said, smart. So now in 2016, Lauren took the information to publisher Principa Media, who consulted with Joe Koenig, Koenig, yeah Koenig, a forensic li- linguist. He evaluated all documents including passports, identification cards, photographs and newspaper clippings. Koenig found no evidence of tampering or manipulation and deemed all documentation authentic and contemporaneous. contemporaneous. After uh, and after comparing L- Lauren's research to the available FBI records, he found no discrepancies that eliminated Rekka as a suspect. He also thought it particularly is particularly significant that Ozadek's statement of the events on the night of November 24th, 1971, to he thought it was very significant that they were identical to the account that Recca made five years earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of. Mm-hmm. Koenig went on to publicly state at the uh, Principal Media press conference on May 17th, twenty eighteen that he believes that Walter R. Rucca was, in fact, D.B. Cooper. Koenig later published a book on Cooper titled Getting the Truth, I Am D.B. Cooper. The 84-year-old Lauren apparently asserts that the FBI bungled this high-profile case or Ooh. proposed mixed, misdirected searchers. Oh, so, sorry. An 84-year-old Lauren apparently asserts that the FBI bungled this high-profile case or purposely misdirected searchers away from the correct jump zone. So Lauren says that the only answer he can honestly come up with is that D.B. Cooper jumped over Clay Ulm, insinuating that the government was covering it up. Weird. Mm. And that's all I have on that one. I can never, neither confirm nor deny. All right. Well, I mean, honestly, so a a theory that I... Well, I was going to say, about. I was going to say, in conclusion, I want to hear your theory first and then I'll share mine. OK, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it would make sense then, like if he had actually survived,
0: um, you know, that there would be some of the money left behind, but not all, you know, for the kid to find.
1: Yeah. Later. Like he dropped some or something. Yeah, because otherwise, where's the if rest of the money? From and- something I read, it was like 20 pounds. It was like a 20 pound sack. He strapped to the front of him.
0: Yeah And, and then s- he jumped
1: out of the sky Yeah and so it's
0: like You know where, where Where'd the rest of the money go um, Especially if he died there You know where'd the rest of it go And where'd his body go Well uh, No his
1: bones would be somewhere His bones should
0: be somewhere I mean if he would, had been You know eaten by an animal uh, It could well, unless, be difficult To locate wild that pigs found him Well and even then You know usually you can find Like some bone and stuff Yeah but nobody's looking through Through scat I mean did they though do we know? I, so sure. yeah, either, either he was... <laughs> How do you do this to me? So either he was eaten by an animal or uh, he survived. I, I like to think he survived just because that's fun. More okay, fun. so
1: what is your actual theory though? Is it just either he survived or he was eaten by an animal? Is
0: that it? I mean, basically, if, I think that there's a good chance that he survived based on the mm-hmm. uh, recollection. Do, do you think
1: it could be uh, Walter or Rekha? Yes. I do honestly. I mean, maybe. So, so now I'll share my theory. Yes, please. (laughs) Get ready for this. Okay, so my theory is that DB Cooper survived, but I honestly don't think he was any of these guys. Oh, really? I think DB Cooper actually caught the eye of the flight attendant. The two fell in love. When he jumped, he made it to the ground. He buried the money in the woods. He started a new life with his new honey. They lived happily. He began a new career as you guessed it, a cop. He and his, his partner were the best buddy cop duo that ever lived. However, mm-hmm. the one case that still haunts his partner to this day, that's right, DB Cooper. Eventually, his partner figures out the truth, but because they were basically family now, he cannot turn his buddy in. They live happily ever after. The end. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That was terrible.
0: I was like, okay, so we're now back on the Nora Ephron thing. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> no,
1: I'll get with into the, with that the, with the, second. the falling in love. With I'm them. gonna get that. It, it, I'll tell you where this theory comes from. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in the media, so there are a couple of media things I wanted to hit on real quick before we end. So first, in 1988, an episode of Unsolved Mysteries focused on DB Cooper, where Florence, Florence? Uh, Scheffner was interviewed. the The show hired a composite artist to recreate Cooper. Where the stewardess describe sorry where the stewardess described him with a skinnier head and more elongated nose than the usual popular profile. Also, uh, also study was an airplane exit sign found in the Washington back county by a hunter, and the 5,880 in marked bills found by a family while camping. The little boy. Yes. Combined with the failure to find a body, this led credence to the theory that Cooper did not die on impact if he landed on the Earth, but could have possibly succumbed to to drowning, actually, or hypothermia if he landed in water. Yeah, there's also always that. Yeah. A second thing in media, the main character of the television series Twin Peaks is -hmm. named Dale Bartholomew Cooper, after D.B. Cooper, which I did not notice until I was researching this. of course, I've only gotten through like four episodes of Twin Peaks. I'm sorry. It's interesting, but it's also incredibly slow. Right. That was on purpose. What they wanted me to get bored? No. The whole DB Cooper. No, thing. I know. I didn't <laughs> notice though. What I'm saying is I know it was on purpose, but I didn't notice. But I've also only gotten through four episodes. Are you telling me you took this your theory from Twin Peaks? No. I'm not. So now this is the one I've been, I've seen and remembered in detail. Okay. Uh-huh. On August 26, 2012, an episode of the show leverage entitled DB Cooper. Oh, sorry. Entitled the DB Cooper job. The case is solved. So <laughs> season five, episode six of leverage. I uh-huh. love the show leverage and I wish it hadn't gotten canceled. I it was a great it. episode where the team members all go through their theories. And it's honestly where I got my theory of what happened. Oh, so God. so what I described is basically what they theorized happened in the show. <laughs> Go watch it. It's really worth it. It's so funny. You
0: are the most exhausting person <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> it's a great show and it only well, had a few why? seasons. It's Just, so good. So yeah, that's all I've got. Um, that's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> Whew the Dv Cooper case is honestly just very baffling to to everybody. I mean, There's I'm glad no I'm glad way. that nobody died.
0: Yes, you know, no, that that's part of what makes it fun is that no one actually died, it's unless fun. it was Dv
1: Cooper, which is part of the reason I hope mm. he didn't die. The thing is, nobody died, and it's just so confusing to everybody because. Besides the little bit of money they found, they only found five thousand of it. They didn't find the whole two hundred exactly. thousand dollars. That's the part that usually gets me. Like, I'm like did he leave some behind to make it seem like he died? Hmm. Hmm. You know. Honestly, yes, I do think there's a strong possibility that maybe Walter Areca did it. Because, I mean, uh, this you mean it's you don't fully subscribe
0: to your whole fell in love with the stewardess thing?
1: I mean that's also a possibility.
0: Okay, no, I do like to think all the stewardesses counted for though after No, 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 she, she didn't jump with him. I know, but like it's not like they kept up tabs. You could have looked into the stewardesses on there and seen what happened to them, Miranda. You could have done the oh, work. Oh, I'm
1: so sorry my 8 pages of notes wasn't enough for you. It's not. Anywho. <laughs> so, um yeah. Who do you think db cooper was do you have any theories you can email them to us at matter you could also uh, message us on instagram or just you know comment on a post or something or like and follow us on instagram uh at matter than caterpillar
0: and if you think miranda should uh do her uh, uh direct her own nora efferness uh film about uh the db cooper story based on her theory that she ripped off of a TV show. (laughs) Uh, You can tweet at us or slide into our DMs on Twitter at Cat.
1: We're also now on Facebook. You can find us at I-T-Y-W podcast or just type in I'll tell you what um, podcast and it should take you to us. You know, uh, we're posting some fun stuff on there. We just got our pictures back from a really spoopy photo shoot. We've been posting them everywhere. I'm sure you've seen them. Very excited. Please go and like and follow us on Facebook. It, um, you know, it really just helps get a, uh, more attention out there and gets more viewership, you know, and listeners. We, yeah, we, 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 like just, those. We like we need friends. Them. Hooray. Also,
0: we'd like to talk, you know, more about conspiracy theories. Yeah. And uh, we want to build a legends. community. We love it. Mysteries with you guys. It's, it would be a good thing to actually like have some conversation going on. Yeah. So I love it. Um with that, we'll leave you with this.
1: Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your friends. Tell the FBI agent listening through your phone. And tell D B Cooper who landed in your closet. And good night.
0: How do you get there though? Like, how do you get there? <laughs> right,
1: just whoop.
0: Okay, but the property damage, Miranda, <laughs> that becomes less fun. Maybe okay, he fix the roof. I don't know if you paid to fix the roof.